Are you actually a surfer, or is that just a cool graphic they made up there when you signed? Man, you, I can't even swim. You know, I ain't getting no damn water. <laughs> we move the change. You hear what I'm saying? Real players can relate, because they the ones that was playing. Be great. Be just great. wait. Yeah. We be really in the field. Really. Now we really on the mic. Speaking truly. Hey, yeah, uh, good evening, it. everybody. Good evening, Lions fans, and uh, all of our CFL fans watching uh, wherever you're tuning in from. This is our Move the Chains live panel. Uh, my name is Matt Baker, and uh, I have uh, four excellent individuals here. Uh, none of them really need any introduction, but uh, we have our uh, host, Ryan Phillips, who's done a great job hosting uh, our Move the Chains podcast, and we encourage people to visit bclions.com. Some great guests already. He's had Kahari Jones, Mark Washington, Jason Shivers, uh, some teammates. He's had TJ Leon, uh, Nick Moore, former BC Lion, Lance Moore, Nick's brother. Again, bclions.com is uh, where you can find that. And we're going live tonight with RP. We have Brian Burnham, a newly re-signed BC Lions receiver. Glad to have him. He's in Tulsa, Oklahoma at his new house. Congratulations on your new house, Brian. Uh, former you, BC you. Lions linebacker Adam Big Hill is in Winnipeg joining us. Uh, great to be talking with Biggie again. And we have uh, the newest, uh, one of the newest members of the Toronto Argonauts, Charleston Hughes. And I'll tell you what, uh, we're glad he's playing in the East. We can tell you that. Uh, <laughs> Charleston, of course, uh, we've seen a lot of him over uh, the years uh, with Calgary and Saskatchewan. And, um, and he's a great part of this panel as well. And um, we want to just quickly go over what the format is uh, for those not as familiar with move the chains it's a podcast uh, that is designed to promote the importance of inclusion diversity in pro sports and uh, we've seen uh, a lot over the last year uh, a lot of these issues still very much at the forefront and we wanted to give you the viewers a chance to sort of hear from four people who are very, whose hearts are very near and dear to this topic but as well as ask them about their experiences and we've encouraged a lot of you to share your own experiences we've fielded some questions already we encourage those watching in our webinar to ask questions in the chat fe feature those watching on facebook can weigh in uh, actually that's a great way as well facebook live if you're watching uh, feel free to ask your questions and we'll do our best to get to as many questions and answers as we can over the course of the next hour, but Move the Chains, a, a brilliant initiative. And before we get into the Q&A portion, uh, we'll just kind of go around the panel here and talk about uh, what's motivated a lot of these players to come on and share their stories. Uh, RP, start with you, goes without saying, this is a topic that was hatched in the new year uh, once we turned the calendar to 2021, because just because we've gotten out of 2020 doesn't mean uh, a lot of this is over at all, but What's been uh, the response you've gotten to this project so far? Um, honestly, it's been a thing that's been long overdue. Um, I think it's now, you know, presented a, a platform for us to be able to raise awareness, uh, share perspective, uh, share opinions, um, things that maybe have been in the back of our minds, uh, maybe share some experiences as well. Um, and honestly, it's just to raise awareness to be transparent about things that we encounter every single day. Um, sometimes, you know, we get put on a pedestal just because we're, professional athletes and for these guys that's on the panel superstars um but at the end of the day these guys are men and when they leave the field um they're still looked at as men as fathers as husbands as you know as cousins and brothers and at the end of the day you know these guys are still men outside of the football field so um they encounter things they encounter certain experiences as well so um at the end of the day I feel like you know they have some of the same experiences as the guy that works nine to five as the guy that's you know, um, a laborer or whatever the case may be. And they've encountered some of the same, you know, maybe bad, you know, racist experiences or maybe, you know, prejudice or whatever the case may be, you know, racial profiling, some of the other things, even their parents have maybe uh, experienced. So I want those guys to be able to share so that way we can raise awareness to try to come up with some things, and some conclusions that, you know, um, or some, some uh, suggestions more than anything that could try to help us be better um, in 2021 than we were the years prior. Very well said. And uh, move the chains, all the info at bclions.com. It's all a presentation of RBC and Canwell building materials as well. Brian, um, 
you're very outspoken on a lot of what's going on here. I interviewed yourself and Micah Johnson back in the summer, um, you know, in wake of all the reaction to the George Floyd tragedy. Uh, safe to say, uh, that being said, these issues very near and dear to your heart as well. Yeah, um, I mean, they always kind of have been. Um, being, you know, I started getting into history when I was in high school and when I got to college is really when my mind got opened up to the true, like what really happened. That's, that's when you really start to learn, you know, the truth instead of kind of just what's fed to you through the public school system or whatever. Not that that's bad, but you know, it gets into more detail and you start to really learn things about where you come from and, and, you know, the, the country that we live in and um, there's some bad things. And recently, you know, this past year, 2020, um, when things came up about George Floyd, that was like, you know, I don't know if it was the combination of not having the, the normal um, things in your life that, that kind of take your mind away from those, from, from those things, you know, football for me, you know, that's a distraction that, that I'm just focused on that all the time. So I'm not really on Twitter, social media, looking at what's going on in the world and not having that in 2020 and then coming up on the story of George Floyd, that's all that was on my mind. Like, that's all I could think about. I wasn't thinking about football. I didn't have that distraction. I was waking up upset about what happened, going to sleep upset about what happened, just mad all the time. So, you know, that that's what really got me back onto social media and talking about it. And um, yeah, I mean, it all, it really all started with George Floyd and uh, that's what got me back and talking about this issue. And we applaud you uh, for speaking your mind on uh, these very important uh, issues that are still ongoing. Uh, Adam, um, we haven't talked to you so much about any of these uh, topics, but you know, is there anything you want to add on uh, why you wanted to join us and be part of this panel tonight? Yeah, um, I mean, you know, I've been pretty active on social media as well uh, throughout this entire process. I mean, I know I'm engaged with RB a handful of times on, on, on some of these things that we're seeing on social media, Brian as well. Um, and just, you know, trying to use what voice and what platform I have to try to make a difference. Um, you know, I grew up in a completely white area. Um, you know, there's one black kid that lived in our, in, in our town and he was adopted and nobody really knew any better. I mean, we were just so isolated and we grew up not knowing anything else. And then I get to college and I'm exposed to a different culture and different world. And, you know, my locker room is now more black people than white people and then get to the professional ranks and, you know, I have more black friends now than I do white friends is because of the nature of the, the amount of people I've hung out with throughout my entire career. And throughout that time, I've heard so many stories of things that I've never personally had to deal with in my life um, that countless amounts of my black friends that have. And being able to witness some of these issues, you know, it's just to me, um, that's why, you know, I've been outspoken on Twitter. That's why I'm here tonight um, is going to kind of provide a little bit of context of what I've seen and um, see how I can continue to use my voice for, for good. Well said. And uh, yeah, we'll hear from Charleston here in just a minute, but wanted to remind uh, for those watching this panel, the Q&A feature, uh, if you're watching uh, as an attendee in the Zoom, uh, that's a way uh, you can get your questions across as well as Facebook Live. Uh, Charleston uh, joining us uh, from Regina, I believe. He's now a member of the Toronto Argos, but um, in his off-season home. And you, uh, you're another one of these great characters in the league that uh, is known for being um, quite an active guy on Twitter, social media, the cowabunga stuff. But talking about these more serious uh, discussions, I mean, what is it that stands out for you in terms of what you want to say as far as raising more awareness? I just think it's important, man, just because, you know, these, this last, you know, year, year and a half has been like a crazy year when, it, when you really think about it and, you know, all the, the active events that have happened, you know, throughout this year. And, you know, with that diversity part of everything, you know, I don't want 
that part to get overshadowed by everything else because it has to be something that has to be continually talked about. It has to be continually reformed and discussed. I mean, I'm the total opposite. Me knowing this about Big Hill, now I'm the total opposite of Big Hill. I grew up in an all black school. I went, I've lived in all black communities. I mean, and that alone, I had the same experience as him is when I went to college, now it was more half and half. It was more split. It was more, more white people in the college than black people. It was, it was a different type of living. I finally got a, had a roommate in college uh, and he's still my best friend. Shout out to him. He just had a baby like a couple of days ago, but yeah, but, <laughs> but he's still one of my, one of my good friends now. And I mean, when it opens your mind up to meet different people and I want the same kind of thing for the youth and for, for, for children growing up, especially cause I have a daughter right now who plays soccer. And sometimes she's the only black girl on the soccer field. And I mean, just for that to even be a thing, I think is just outrageous and it needs to be discussed, needs to be talked about. It needs to be opened up where it's fair opportunity for everybody. But, you know, that's kind of where I stand on it. That's very well said because our latest episode, uh, RP, I mean, you guys talked about as fathers, I mean, you have two teenage sons and uh, Adam, uh, you have three kids now, Brian, you know, you guys, it's very family oriented, but yeah, (laughs) but I was going to say RP, um, just echoing what Charleston said there, um, that just adds more to the responsibility, does it not? Absolutely. I mean, uh, you, you take it in a different light. Um, you know, I always tell my son all the time, you know, hey, man, your, na- your main objective is to take care of your mom. I'll be all right. Don't worry about that. You know what I'm saying? Because we always, as men, feel like we can handle our own. You know what I'm saying? And when it really boils down to it, you take care of your brother, you take care of your mom, right? You know, at the end of the day, I, I'll be all right. I'll take care of myself. But as a dad now, I have a responsibility, you know what I'm saying, to take care of you. And I don't have to share that piece with him. That's the ownership that I take amongst myself. Um, you know, when you become a dad and you become a father and you take that, you know, role seriously, you want to provide them with tools to be as successful as possible. But you have a normal protection that comes with the territory. I mean, as soon as that child is born at that point, now you have an automatic protection that just comes, you know, with the territory. And that's something that you can't take lightly. And when all these events start to take place, um, it started to make you a little bit more aware than maybe what you were before. Um, it was always in the back of your mind. But at this point, you know, as your kids become older, as my son, my oldest son is 14 years old. Um, he's now starting to experience some different things, in, you know, in the world. Now he's starting to, you know, get out there a little bit more. I'm starting to let the leash off a little bit more. So as he's out there going about his own way and starting to experience some of his own things without me being around, I have to present him with tools to, you know, stand up and also protect himself and put him in positions to be successful, but also know how to adapt in certain scenarios and circumstances. And I wasn't always, you know, thinking about that firsthand as much as I am now. Um, and, that could be the fact that maybe I've always, you know, put it in a blind spot. Like Brian talked about having the distractions of playing football or even just him being young. But now he's becoming a man and things like that. Now I have to make sure that I'm putting them, you know what I'm saying, and spots and in a mindset to make sure that, like I said, he's aware of the, of the things happening around him, uh, of the people that he's involved with, uh, picking and choosing, you know what I'm saying, his spots and what he needs to do, um, even the actions and the words that he uses. All those things are imperative right now. So, um, as a dad now, you know, you got to have a, a different mindset. And that's something that now you take very seriously and something that has changed my perspective a lot in regards to how much education, and how much, you know, I take this subject very seriously. This is the uh, Move the Chains live panel, all a presentation of RBC and Canwell Building Materials. And uh, we are going to get to the Q&A portion uh, now. Lots of great questions come in. And uh, if you do have one, feel free to use Q&A on Zoom or get it into the comments on Facebook Live. Um, one of our fans, Derek, uh, wanted to weigh in. As an Asian-Canadian, uh, Derek is, um, he says he finds that there is also prejudice amongst people of their own race, whether they're Chinese, Japanese, Vietnamese, Korean. We are all Asian, Derek says. Um, you know, the difference may have something to do with social or economic standing. These are his words. He'd like to hear the panel's opinion on this subject. Uh, do you ever experience racism uh, within your own race? And he also wants to thank RP for hosting this great program. You are a true all-star in every sense. I won't disagree with Derek there at all. He is an all-star in every sense. But um, 
Brian Charleston, either of you want to weigh in on that one uh, as far as prejudice amongst their own race? Is that something you guys have ever experienced? No. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it happens, man. I think it happens in all races. And I think, you know, within the, within the Black community and in Black people, you get so much driven into, uh, you know, compete with somebody else and, and being, being able to outdo somebody else that I think you lose track of, we're all trying to win together. So when it's like, when you think of it that way, you think you're always competing and battling. And, you know, I think 100% it happens. And the one thing you gotta do is really kind of focus in on, you know, not trying to bring somebody down, not trying to out, always try to outdo somebody, but, you know, focus on yourself and worry about doing your best and being able to help somebody if you can. Because the kind of, you know, the, the, the gratifying feeling that you get from, you know, putting yourself out there to help somebody else achieve their goals while you achieve yours at the same time is the ending thing that you want to happen in the end. Agreed. And, you know, I've seen, I've seen a little bit of, of, I mean, not much, but, you know, there's a little bit of, you know, I'm viewed as I'm light skinned, so. I act a certain type of way compared to darker skinned black people. Um, but what I want to talk about is the fact that, you know, through my, like, I'm kind of, I'm honestly kind of like Adam, um, you know, luckily I had a dad who was successful in the NFL and I grew up in the suburbs and went to a great public school and it was mostly all white. So I was kind of like that token black guy. Um, when I got to college, that was really my first experience with, you know, being around predominantly black people. And I felt like they accepted me into that group, like nothing day one, you know, um, that's the thing that I've always struggled with being, you know, I'm, I'm mixed. Like my mom's white, my dad's black. I'm 50% black. I'm 50% white, but in the world, I'm, I'm just black. I'm black. That's what it's always been. I'm, and I've been accepted by the black community and um, in the locker room, you know, um, it's, it's just been hard for me because, you know, there's a whole half of me that I just kind of suppressed a lot when I was younger because just what I've like, I just, I, it's such a weird subject for me because um, it's, just, it's just been hard, man, you know? being trying to have to suppress that and trying to act a certain way because that's the way that society kind of views you. So uh, the past few years, I've kind of been coming to terms with, you know, really who I am and just being happy with who I am and being me and not trying to act a certain type of way. Um, and, you know, I think that's the most important thing is for people just to be who they are and to accept people for who they are and not for the, color or tone of their skin and, and things like that. And, and for me in the locker room, um, you know, there's, that, that's, that's pretty much what it's been, you know, just being accepted by um, the black guys in the locker room as black. And that makes me feel good. But at the same time, there's this whole other half of me that's kind of just being left behind kind of, and it's hard, but um, you know, I guess it is what it is. You um, mentioned, um, yeah, go ahead, Adam. Uh, I mean, obviously, that's, you know, this is kudos to RP to getting this program started because this is where that conversation, you know, is really good to be had. I mean, you know, it's, I appreciate you sharing that, Brian. That's, that's good to hear. Um, you know, for me, I feel like, especially since, you know, using my voice a lot more on social media, um, you know, I can, I can tell that there's certain, certain people out there, especially white community, that might feel a certain type of way about how I approach the situation and how I may be standing up for, for uh, black, the black movement or black rights, um, you know, black lives matter. Um, you know, and, and I feel like it's because maybe a lot of people haven't had the experiences that I have and have been around the people that I have and, and heard and seen the stories that I have. And like I said, coming from a, a town that's very isolated, um, if you don't have any black friends and you haven't seen the stories, you haven't firsthand seen any issues. Um, it's hard, I think, for people to really connect to the problem and they don't really understand what's really going on in the world because it's not in front of their face. They're not 
they don't have uh, one of their best friends who's black telling them stories or things that are happening to them that they've had to deal with. So it's, you know, it's one of those things that uh, they can't really understand. So I feel like there's a disconnect a bit for me with some other people out there that just can't comprehend what it is that I'm trying to convey. And maybe you'll understand why I feel so strongly about being part of this message. And, um, you know, I'd say like in 2017, I was in the NFL and that's when, you know, the primarily so many people were kneeling after Colin Kaepernick started this whole thing. Um, and I thought 2020 racial injustice was, was should have, would have, and should have happened in 2017. I mean, things were really bubbling up big time then. And, you know, I'm surprised it took till 2020, but I mean, you know, I'm glad that these things have happened because we're on a podcast doing things like this and we're hopefully making a big difference in uh, this entire issue. Very well said. And um, we'll keep it with you um, for a minute here, Adam, because I had a question addressed to you and you may have hit on this a bit in your intro as well, but um, have you ever been close by when someone else, this is a locker room specific question, when someone else, whether it's a player or a fan, says something racist, whether that's intentionally or not, have you ever been around that? And if so, what did you say? Um, you know, I, I don't feel like people are openly in the locker room doing those kinds of things. I mean, but I, I do feel that, you know, there are, are, are just certain undertones that you can kind of pick up on. And I, I wouldn't say that you would be, you know, jumping out right away, calling someone a racist or doing something like that. But you, you almost just get the vibe of like what someone's kind of putting out there. And, you know, it kind of starts to classify maybe your opinion of, of, of how you react and act with somebody moving forward because you start to see kind of the vibe they start putting out. And, and I, I guess that's kind of the best way to put it. Uh, most people aren't trying to actively uh, be out there with it, but, you know, some of the undertones or different kinds of things and how they might be said can be, can be kind of classified along the lines of, uh, of that. Muted light. Matt, Unmute. Matt. Yeah, there you go. Check. There's one for the fine jar. I was first. Uh, <laughs> it's bound to happen. <laughs> We had uh, Brian, uh, we had uh, Terry on Facebook uh, ask us um, a question. Um, she says, as a single mom raising a half black child, what do you feel is the most important message to teach them apart from embracing his heritage? That's tough. Um, that's, that's tough. Um, I mean, be who you are. You know what I mean? Don't, don't. <sighs> You know, that's that that's what my problem, not necessarily a problem. Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is let them let them go through their phases of because I know when when I was young, I was going through all these phases where, you know, um, I started listening to rap for the first time. And then, you know, things started to change where my jeans were getting baggier and my shirts were getting baggier and you know, I was trying to be in that culture. I was trying to be like that because that's how I thought I was supposed to be. Um, and then that started to fade and I started going more towards, you know, um, what my white friends were wearing. Oh, I want to be, I want to be more like them. I want to be more like them. I want to be accepted. Um, they're going to go through phases. Um, it's important to teach them that it's okay to be who you are and, um, I mean, just just be there for them. Um, but it's really hard. Uh, I mean, I can't be in a single mother just in its own. Uh, that's that's difficult. And you know, for me, having my dad there as a black role model that was huge for me. I mean, that was so huge. Um, you know, just it was a lesson every day. Um, so you know, if, if there's if there's a, a black role model that that you're close to or feel comfortable with to you know, kind of mentor him or, or, or talk to him or just be there for him if he ever needs it. I think that's also really important um, for, for a young son growing up to have, have an older male role model. Well said. Um, another question here from Robert. Um, can kind of open this one up to the whole panel. Um, he's a Canadian soldier. He says, when I was a soldier, they told us in basic training, there is no race or sex 
in the Canadian forces. Uh, we're all soldiers, is the message. He says, is that this, about the same today in football? He says he can remember when it was not so much, and that is why so many African-American quarterbacks uh, had to come to Canada. And RP, do you have anything to say about that? Or uh, Well, one thing I'll touch on is uh, salute to the armed forces for sure. Let me go ahead and say that first and foremost. Definitely appreciative of that. Um, when it comes to the I the idea of no race, um, no color. Um, I think that's a fine subject just due to the fact of um, everybody has their own perspective, but regardless of the fact, the same things that Brian touched on, the same thing that Adam touched on and Charleston, as I look at our panel right now, I see color regardless of what it is. Um, you know, I know Adam doesn't look like me, that there's nothing, you know, but I'm not judging him based off of that, right? I've got to know Adam for a long time now. His character speaks volumes for me. So regardless of if he was pink, brown, or whatever he might be, like I said, Adam's character speaks volumes for me. But regardless of the fact, outside of that, if someone was to ask me, hey, can you describe Adam to me? I'm going to say Adam is a white male. That's just, that's just the reality of it. You know, and that's what it is for me. Like he is a white male, but at the same extent, he's a father, he's a husband, he's a good character dude. Like that's what it's going to be for me as I describe him though. Um, so, I mean, to me, you know, when you get into a locker room, you have a mixture of all that. Um, you know, I've always touched on the fact that the locker room was a big melting pot. And I say that because everybody comes from somewhere um, that's maybe a little bit different, a little bit more unique. Um, you got mixed, you know, you got mixed um, guys all over the locker room, you know, whether they're from the Dominican and from, you know, wherever, like, you know, you got a lot more mixed races now and marriages that are, you know, obviously creating, you know, saying babies and so forth that now you find in the locker room. And these are now becoming men that you are now becoming friends with that have totally different backgrounds and totally different upbringings than you. And they don't look anything like you. Um, and that's something that, you know, you're willing to accept because one, you're in the locker room and you're in this football atmosphere, but that same at atmosphere can be translated and now be able to be represented in society as well. If we are willing to have that approach, the willingness just has to change. And will I, whether if I'm willing to accept you for what you look like, but also to the same extent who you are, that speaks volumes about my character as well, as well as your own. Um, and I think that's where that perspective needs to change in regards of not necessarily the color aspect, because you are who you are and you are what you look like. But at the end of the day, once I get past that, if I'm willing to get past that, the thing that should speak to me is more so your character, your principles, your morals, how you represent yourself, how you represent your family and things like that. Those things should be according, you know, and that's how I should be, uh, you know, based on my judgment, if I'm going to judge at all. Those things should be what represent you, not basically what you look like or, you know, those type of uh, avenues that honestly should be irrelevant, you know, when it comes to, uh, you know, certain decisions and how I view you as a person. This is the uh, Move the Chains live panel uh, presentation of RBC and Canwell Building Materials uh, with Ryan Phillips, Brian Burnham, Adam Big Hill, Charleston Hughes, uh, all representing the BC Lions and, well, the entire Canadian Football League on uh, on this great discussion. Uh, keep your questions coming, whether it's Facebook Live or the Q&A uh, portion in Zoom. Had one here um, addressed to Charleston and Adam. Um, there are certain areas in Canada where there isn't a large black community. Are there big differences in the way you're treated in smaller towns versus bigger cities? I know it was Brian, I think, that mentioned the example of going off to college, but does it make a difference if you're in a bigger or larger place? Uh, Charleston, start with you. Um. <laughs> it kind of it is, man. I mean, because you, you got to think when you're dealing with more smaller cities, you're dealing with more people that are kind of closed minded. It's probably going to be more more white integrated kind of town like farm farmland kind of kind of ideal. When you're in a bigger city, it's more of like a melting pot. So you got more culture. You got more diversity within big cities. I mean, I've, I've been all throughout Saskatchewan and every small town in Saskatchewan you can think of from Macklin all the way down to Estevan somewhere. And really just because of who I, just because who I am and, and I know that personally, I don't like to categorize myself around like a, a certain group of people or a certain, you know, diverse group of people. I like to I like to do different things. I like to go around different people. I like to see other people's perspective about, you know, how they view certain things. So if I go into a small town like that and, you know, I'm there to to tell my story or I'm there to do a speaking engagement and I'm 
I'm fully immersed into the city where I'm like, hey, so what do you guys do out here for fun in this small little itty bitty town? Like, where, where are the places you go? Like, what's the highlight of this place? Like, I want to know things like that. So, I mean, I think the people look at me different and they're surprised because of that, because they go like, okay, where you're from? I'm from Saginaw, Michigan. Then they, they automatically think, oh, you from the Detroit area? All right. You know how to shoot a gun. You shot somebody before. You a drug dealer. You a thug. So I'm looked at like that, right off, like right off the bat. And maybe because I sound and I talk American, that not, and I speak a certain way, that maybe I come off as looking like looking like a thug or something like that. And all you know is football, right? Like a, a comment like that'll be thrown at you. And I'm like, yeah, obviously you're blind to the fact of who I am. And then that's when I go into my story and after the fact, they figure out, oh, you one hell of a guy. Like, I wouldn't have never thought any yeah. of that about you. So it's like, you gotta really, you know, open somebody up to the thought of who I am, but I also gotta open myself up to who they are. So, and the only way to do that right. is just, you gotta cross boundaries. And just, yeah. just for reference quickly before Adam, like Saginaw, Michigan, for those not aware, that's basically right across the border, right? Like it'd be like crossing here and, and being in Blaine, Washington, right? That's the same idea for those. Who yeah, it's, about, 40, it's about 45 minutes yeah. from the Canadian border. Okay, so not quite, but same idea, but close enough is, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy indeed. Um, yeah, Adam. You wanted to respond to that as the question, yeah, yeah. Was addressed to you yeah, as well I mean, as far as small towns and versus big. I mean, it's exactly the story I started off with. I mean, you know, RP, Brian, and Charleston walk into Montesano, Washington, and, and everyone's going to know someone looks different, right? Because might be one of the first black people to walk, walk through in the, in the convenience store in a week or maybe a month, you know? So, like, that that is the way it is, right? Um, but like Charleston, I like how you really put it on how like you have a conversation with people and you really get to open up and you're open to learning about them and you help them learn about you. And it kind of go back to my point when I started of uh, people just, like I said, I almost don't know any better because they don't, they don't know anybody who's black. They haven't had real conversations with, with black men or black women. Um, and so they don't really know how to relate. And, you know, I think, that is part of where we still see some of these problems and some of these issues. Um, but the more integration we get, the more openness we can create, the more conversation we can create, I think we can start to break down some of these barriers and just get people to be more open and more willing to listen. Um, you know, social media is such a great uh, reach for people now that, um, you know, I feel like we can really start making some, some impact on this. Reminder to uh, get your questions into Q&A or Facebook. Uh, lots of great ones coming in. Uh, Paul wanted to know uh, the Lions, uh, the BC Lions, of course, have been great with the Be More Than a Bystander program, which feels like good messaging for racial justice too. Correct. He feels often Canadians who pride themselves on their niceness feel that racism is different in our country. Have uh, you guys found it drastically different north of the border, particularly beyond football? Uh, RP, go to you here. Um, it's hard to really say if it's beyond football because the reality of it is us for the guys on the panel are, we came to Canada because of football. I mean, let's just call it what it is. And that's how you look as a football player. Like when I first walked into Vancouver, you were number 21. I wasn't even Ryan Phillips yet. Like I had a jersey and a number. And you're number 21 at training camp. And that's who I was. And then I earned my name once I started making a few plays. Then it was like, oh, okay. I didn't become RP to maybe 2007. <laughs> I mean, it's just kind of what came with the territory. But honestly, though, like, it's, um, it's hard to say if you're, you know, if you can see it beyond football. Um, what I will say is, though, uh, I think it's, it's a little bit more hidden than it is in the States. Um, you might get, you know, a little bit more blunt. You know, you might get a little bit more um, – straightforward especially when you get towards the south for sure um in regards to the states um in canada and so forth i have seen things where it has happened and it's a little bit more secluded um it's a little bit more under wraps um but like i said no matter what we all know racism it it, it, it exists everywhere and you know whether it's from something that was you know taught whether it was something that was learned whether it was something that was based off of 
friendships and, you know, their environments and, you know, the people that they, they uh, decide to be, you know, close with and now they want to adapt to, you know, their ways and so forth, um, whatever the excuse may be, these things exist. And um, I know they exist. I've seen them happen. I've seen them, you know, uh, um, across Canada. Will I say they're as prevalent? I really won't say that um, to that degree, but we can't be naive to the fact. And that's the reality of it. Um, you know, everybody on this, you know, on this panel um, and even some of our Canadian friends that are also on, uh, on our teams and teammates, they have friends and family everywhere. You know, just because you're born in Canada and living in Canada, you probably still got family in the States and things like that as well. So, you know, my thing at the end of the day is, you know, if racism does exist, you know, whether it's within you or amongst you, you have the power and you have the ability to control, you know, exactly how you go about that and your approach towards that. So if I can affect somebody in Canada or if I can affect somebody in the States, that's, a, you know, that's something I have to take pride in. And that's something that I can do and that's something that I can change. And we know that those things do exist, you know, what I'm saying amongst, you know, everyone um, we have to encounter, whether if you're on the, the victim end or whether if you're the person, you know, what I'm saying that's, uh, you know, doing the duty. Um, with that being said, like I said, well, you definitely have the power to do something about that because, like I said, we can't be negligent to the fact because these things are, you know, saying definitely prevalent right now. Speaking of, uh, speaking of, speaking of that, like I had something that just happened recently, and you know, it made it, we laughed about it at the time, but because because maybe I come from like an American background and it's more prevalent down there, and the person I was with at the time, he was a, a Canadian guy but he lives in a, a small town. And I guess like one of the guys in the town walked past him and said something to him like, hey, how you doing, Brownie? And then, and, and he told me that he said that. And he was like, what would you say to somebody that did that? I was like, you don't think that's racist? I was like, to me, in my eyes, I think that's 100% like a racist, slick, like coming off very gently easy comment that he didn't want to he didn't want to be direct about it and make it seem like it but to me i mean it's disrespectful because you have a name he knows your name and for him to call and mm -hmm. come out and just say hey how you doing good morning brownie i'm thinking like and we laughed about it because it was just like a slick little comment that just flowed right, right off the tip of his tongue <laughs> and mm -hmm. it wasn't aggressive it wasn't meant to to really harm who he is and his character but at the same time, why throw a comment out there like that? Why, why even go to that, go to that point? What, what point are you trying to make? What, what are you trying to, what, are, what picture are you trying to paint right now about, about who I am by calling me something like that? And yeah. I mean, just that alone speaks volumes for it is, it is, it's everywhere. Yeah, that's the truth, man. I've had, that's, that's kind of been my experience um, seeing racism in Canada it's more I haven't seen that much of it compared to what I've seen in the states but what I have seen it's been kind of that slick like I'm not I'm not it doesn't sound like they hate you or but it's disrespectful <laughs> and they're being slick about it or it's passive aggressive or it's you know what I mean they slip it in there and I've had so many of those where you kind of sit there and you do laugh at it <laughs> and then you get in the car or you get home or whatever and you think about it later that day and you're like wait what like hold on he said this <laughs> and that's kind of that's kind of how it's been in Canada just that little passive aggressive making a comment about your race um definitely not aggressive the way I've heard it and seen it in the <laughs> states but it's definitely there you know racism doesn't you know it doesn't stop at the border it, it's it's everywhere you know, it's not just the U.S. and Canada. It's everywhere in the world. There's racism. Still have uh, some time uh, to get questions in on our uh, Move the Chains panel here. Uh, lots of great questions. Lots of great topics. Uh, here's a great question. Cameron watching on Facebook. Um, and this, um, open it up to all four of you. As a coach of a minor football team here, um, how can we teach our players about these subjects? Um, for anyone who'd like to weigh in on that, it's a good one. I guess I'll go. Yes. Uh, <laughs> well, the one thing I'd say, um, you're up. Yeah, now being uh, me being a guy that coaches youth sports now, uh, I coach AAU basketball. Um, and to be honest, the majority of my team are urban kids. Um, and 
now we're starting to see, well, I would say this, the difference from when I was playing AAU basketball to now is we didn't really have any white kids on our team. Just being honest, like just wasn't, wasn't even a factor to some degree. Now we're starting to see now you're starting to have one or two, you know what I'm saying? To that extent now, and it's changed, it's changed the dynamic. It's changed the element. Now my thing now, the fact of being accepting and being the willingness to accept that and understand that now this is, you know, this is basketball, right? This is a sport. This is an international sport. So at the end of the day, you know what I'm saying? Like these things, this is not going to be the last time that you're going to you know, encounter something like this. Uh, for some of these urban kids, they've never had to, or, or, you know, had to come across or encounter the possibility of having to play or be a teammate to somebody like that. Now we're talking about in Seattle, like this is Pacific Northwest where we know, you know, what I'm saying there's, you know, mixed race, you know, everywhere, you know, in Seattle. And even then in these urbanized communities and so forth, like it's still predominantly black when it comes to this level of basketball and so forth. Um, but now, like I said, we're starting to see that dynamic change. Um, the thing about it is I always like to let everybody know is you, you have the ability to raise awareness regardless of age. Um, the one thing that was taking place during the George Floyd things was, was my eight-year-old was starting to see the same things on, on the news his awareness started to change. He would ask questions and he's eight years old. Like, you know, at the end of the day, he wants to ask, you know, why are they doing this? Why is this happening? What's making them do this? What's provoking this? You know, things like that of that nature. If he has the willingness to ask questions at that point, he's receptive to that. At the end of the day, you know, when you got the youth sports programs that maybe start at six, seven years old, they go all the way to 13, 14 years old. Those guys have the mind capacity and mindset to be able to take that in. But at the end of the day, like, you know, so it's more so amongst the coach, if you are willing to actually share these experiences and raise their awareness based off of it, because this is a reality for them. Like, to me, I feel like as a duty as a coach is for me to mold you to be the best teenager and young man that I can make you. Like, that's my duty. It's not just about the sport. How can I mold you and help you, you know, what I'm saying, to, you know, help you get to be the best young man possible? This is a part of that. Like, this is a part of your upbringing. This is something that you're going to encounter. Um, so with that being said, what tools can I give you? Yeah, I can help you shoot a better jumper. That's cool. But outside of that, after you shoot that jumper and you leave the gym, how am I helping you now? You know, when you get to that school, how am I helping you? You know, now when you get to the park and there's no security and there's no police and there's no this, that, another, and something happens, how can I help you then? You know, how can I help you be willing to accept that teammate and accept his differences? Like, how can I help you, you know, in those avenues? Because the reality of it is we've been fortunate enough and blessed enough to be able to play sport for a living. But the reality of it is, it's 0.000 whatever percent that's not going to ever play. So when they go into this workforce and when they go into this real world where they have to now be able to work with somebody that doesn't look like them and maybe even have a boss that doesn't look like them or even a coworker and so forth, they have to change the dynamic of what they see or really how they accept that person. And that's just the reality of it. And it goes both ways. So um, I want to be able to give, you know, young kids those tools um, to understand that like, this is your reality. You know, this isn't, you know, sport is one thing, but your reality and things that you're going to face for the majority of your life, which sport is only a fraction of that. You got to be willing to, you know, accept some things, accept some differences, but also be willing to put your best foot forward. So then that way, like I said, you can now be, you know, say as successful as possible, but also make that next person and change maybe his ways or his mindset towards that as well. And we all have the ability to do so, but like I said, it always starts with us. And the more that we can do that, like I said, the better off. And then at that same extent now, you know, we'll be able to grow as men, grow as youth, you know what I'm saying? Now those kids will now be having kids as well. Now we'll see the dynamics start to change a little bit more. But like I said, it starts with us first because I can't teach my son something that maybe I don't understand or that I'm not willing to do. Um, like I said, so it starts with me first and foremost. RP, great points, man. I mean, what, what, I mean, you're talking about leadership and that's really what it's all about is that, you know, we as men, we as fathers, we as athletes have a responsibility to, to lead the younger generation, our children, uh, especially if you're a coach you have the ability to impact kids and, and we all have to take that, you know, very seriously. I mean, obviously your impact is to try to make them better athletes, but like you said, it goes beyond the field. It's how can we make you a better man uh, or a better woman for our society, for our community. Um, and it, it's obvious that racism has been learned throughout time. Right. And that's been taught, right. Whether through action, absorbed, what, what have you, um, this is the time where leadership can change those things. And the fact that, you know, it, it, you really said it the right way is that, you know, we have the ability to teach more than just sport. Um, and, 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 and sport is a great way to do it, obviously, because you have, 
everyone come together for a common goal to win. And in order to do that, every wheel has to spin together. There has to be one heartbeat, right? You have to have everybody all in. Um, and as a coach, it's, it's a responsibility to get that kind of uh, that kind of reaction from your team. And if you're not, you need to figure out ways to be able to bring that together. And once again, that's why I think sport is so great. But I mean, this is a great example. It correlates to anybody out there trying to be a leader of people and, and, and young people try to bring us all together. Brian, Charleston, anything else to add to that? Very important subject. Yeah, you guys both said it, man. It's at, especially at that age when you're dealing with kids. Yeah, the sport is important. I mean, that's, you know, you're, you're, you're the coach, you know, teach them the sport, make them better athletes. But at that age, man, they're, the kids are sponges, man. They, they soak up everything. And, and it's really important to have that impact on them that's greater than whatever sport they're playing. Because like RP said, you know, it's just – it's a small fraction. You know, that's what I've been realizing. So much more of my career is behind me than it is ahead of me. And, you know, at the end of the day, football is going to be about, I don't know, 20, 20-ish years of my life from peewee all the way up to the end of my professional career. There's a whole lot of life after that. You know, it's so much more than the sport. It's so much more. And it's, it's I mean, this, the sport has taken me to where I am today, you know, to all these new places and all that. But but my character, that can't be taken away from me. That's never going to end. And that's what's really gotten me through everything. That's what's gotten me to the place where I am today is my character. And that really did for me start at a young age, because I remember I had great men as my coaches growing up. They did a great job of molding me just to be a good person, not just about the sport. So I, I was very fortunate to have great coaches growing up. And it's important, man. It's really important. I, those kids, man, they, you know, it seems like they're, you know, disinterested or whatever, you know, but they're, they're kids and they're soaking up everything. Even if it seems like they're not listening, they're soaking it up. And uh, it's just really important for, for us and, and for, for coaches to, uh, to continue to feed them and, and teach them. Yeah, the, yeah, the same thing, especially for like the youth like that, man. I, and, and you're coaching little kids in football. I would just say sports in general, like team sports in general, because I only have a daughter right now who plays sports. And I know she's watching this right now. And I kind of had this same kind of talk with her a little while ago about just being able to respect somebody else. And when you got to teach like, you know, kids from the age of eight years old all the way through, through for the rest of their life, you got to learn respect. You got to learn how to respect others the same way, you know, you want them to respect you. Because when it when it comes to like, you know, certain situations and, you know, meeting somebody different, everybody's going to be different. Everybody's going to receive adversity, triumph and defeat. And we're all going to experience all those things together. And the one thing that that makes, you know, team sports unique is you got to learn what the next person next to you, what makes them tick, what makes them go, what they got to know what makes you go. And the only way you can do that is by learning who your teammates are. You know, I'm a big guy even right now about incorporating my team and like team events, like going to do stuff, go bowling together, go do stuff. That's because that's when you start to, you know, build like championship teams that's when you start to build you know character and friendship amongst players and that's the biggest thing is having you know the most hated person on the team hang out with the most liked person on the team to figure out if they got like interests and they'll find middle ground somewhere in there and I think that's what's most important you know at a young age is teaching kids how to you know, not tease somebody because of their faults, but help them, you know, be a better person and help them overcome that. Very, uh, very uh, important topic indeed. Uh, our last question here before we get to our closing thoughts, and uh, we've gotten to a lot of, as much of these as we can, lots of great feedback, and uh, we'll for sure have to look at doing another one of these in our series. But Alicia, um, what are your thoughts on the use of the N-word in the Black community? Is it acceptable or not? She says, for me, it's not acceptable uh, for me to ever say it. Would it be for my half-Black child? I know we've had uh, a couple questions about prejudice amongst race themselves, but uh, RP, what are your thoughts on that? That's what I will say. Um, in regards to that topic, um, I feel like 
there are some things that are strongly opinionated and is based off a perspective of the person um, that you're engaging with. And not to say who's right or wrong or anything like that, but there are some things that are socially accepted, accepted amongst the masses. And you have to figure out what that is for you. And I can't say yes or no, or I can't say what it, you know, what, what makes you tick or what doesn't. Um, But what I will say is you treat people how you want to be treated. And if you're okay with, you know what I'm saying, that, you know, going amongst yourselves and things like that, then that is what, you know, works for you. Um, If it's not, then you need to be 100% about that. I do have some friends that don't use it at all, do not, you know, aren't fond of the word. And I also have some friends that, you know, use it amongst themselves and amongst friends. Um, So I've seen it from both ways. Um, At the end of the day, like I said, some people, you know, have their opinions about it and where the word originated from and so forth. Um, so with that being said, that puts already a negative tone and a negative um, thought process when it comes to the word. And that for me, you know what I'm saying? Like keeps that in its realm that keeps it on that side. So, um, for me personally, like I said, I feel like, you know, everybody has, uh, an opinion and perspective amongst that. Um, but like I said, if you don't want that term being used, if you don't want to be, you know, like I said, involved in that term, then like I said, you need to be all the way about that. And I mean that wholeheartedly, like, you know, don't use it. Don't pick and choose when to use it. Don't pick and choose when to be accepted by it. Um, don't, you know, pick and choose when you feel like it's okay. Um, don't try to even do it amongst friends. Don't try to do it amongst the locker room. Um, there's some guys that do it to try to fit in and they know they're, you know, that's not really their way. And you'll see that a lot. And you'll see things, um, you know, happen just based off of the demographic and the environment that they're in. And it goes against everything that they, you know, believe in and their morals and their principles. So, um, with that being said, like I said, you got to make sure, like I said, that you're staying true to who you are um, and the things that you want to represent. And if that's not you, then that's not you. And, you know, you stay away from that and you stay away from those things that, you know, you don't want to be involved with and you represent that to the fullest of your ability. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, uh, you know, I always see that argument on Twitter kind of like, why can't it's a word, you know, if black people can say it, why can't white people say it? Mm-hmm. And there's, obviously so much history behind that word you know it obviously started as a derogatory term um to demean black people and it's 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 almost situational you know um white people should not say that word it's disrespectful um era whatever form of it is disrespectful and the second I hear that word come out of a white person's mouth, it's just like, I don't know, like a chill goes up my spine, my skin crawls, I get goosebumps. It just, it, it makes me feel bad. Like I, it just puts me in this kind of weird feeling uh, where I just, I'm just super uncomfortable. Um, but in the locker room around black people, they're saying it, it's, it's different. And it's almost as if, you know, black people have taken that word and turned it into something else they've empowered it they've changed it from er to a and it's something that they use um and i think if people can't accept that like why like the problem's not with the word the problem's with you like why do you feel so inclined to say that word and you know you feel left out um you know maybe you know it's, it's how black people have felt for a long time left out um but um, it's a touchy subject. It's not something that we could sit here and talk about for five minutes. You know, that's something that we would sit in the locker room and talk about for an hour. And, you know, you look down at your phone and it's like, dang, it's already been, <laughs> I need to go home. We've been talking about this for a long time. <laughs> um, yeah. but no, I just want to say, uh, I remember the first time I said the N word in front of my dad. <laughs> 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 Let me tell you, that's the last time I ever used that word in, front of my dad in the house, anywhere around. I mean, he's he's one of the he's he's that guy that's like I, he hates that word. Um, he just he he can't stand it. He doesn't like it. Um, and you know that's something that obviously I respect and I'm not going to disrespect him and, and use it in front of him because that's just, you know, that's disrespectful. Um, so for me, if there's people who, you know, don't want to hear that word or, you know, I'm, that's not something that I use very often. Um, I'm not going to say it if, if I'm around people who are, you know, more comfortable with it and, it, you know, conversations flowing or whatever, you know, you say it, it is what it is. 
but I think like RP said, it is kind of like situational and, and um, it kind of depends. It's not just like a yes or no answer. Um, but yeah. Yeah, and uh, for those that don't know, uh, Brian, your your father, Lem, along with being a former Philadelphia Eagle, um, is a war veteran as well. So very mm-hmm. much, uh, very much on top of it when it comes to discipline and what's right and uh, and what is wrong. Um, this was great tonight, gentlemen. And again, uh, so many other topics we can hit on in uh, future podcasts. Uh, RP, I know you're planning on doing a lot more of these uh, as we get on here. And um, yeah, very, very good discussion. Uh, any closing thoughts uh, from the group before we, we end it tonight? Adam? Uh, you know, I was happy to be here. I mean, when RP asked me uh, a while ago, hey, would you be considered coming on? I said, you know, man, just let me know the day and, and I'm there. So, um, you know, I, I'm there for anybody that needs help and needs a, needs a platform. Um, you know, I think this is a very important conversation. It's something that needed to happen a long time ago, but at least it's happening now. Um, so I you know, appreciate you having me on, RP. Yeah, man. Charleston. Uh, yeah. Brian. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate being a part of this, man. And it, it's, I feel like we just started, you know, it's, uh, it's an hour of talking and it's, it's, it's not something that we can, you know, this needs to be so much more, you know, this is just the start. And uh, I actually do when I see a question down here that I really like that I want to answer real quick uh, from Shannon talking about as a woman, have I heard men say things to each other that, you know, feel as disrespectful and they act like it's normal and i've definitely felt pressure to put up with that and to to be like you know that's just locker room talk but that is something that i have spoken up about you know having having two sisters having a wife a mother obviously you know i have a lot of women in my life that i respect and um is it's it's it goes with racism uh sexism all that stuff is something that I've really tried to recently speak up on. And in the locker room, when guys are speaking disrespectfully about a woman, it's, it's not something that I'll be aggressive about, but it's definitely something where I'll be like, like, really, guys, that's, that's how you're going to talk about her, things like that. Um, so, Shannon, I just wanted to answer your question. Also, that's my sister's name, so it stood out. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, um, definitely, definitely. Um, some things that are said that you kind of just brush off and, and you know, um, but, you know, little by little, you know, you start, you, you start um, turn away at it. And it's, it's like we're doing tonight. We're starting to talk about discrimination and racism and stuff. And that's just, that's what this is all about, man. Just getting the conversation started and uh, let's keep it going. Charleston, any final thoughts from you? Yeah, this is a, Thanks, RP, for inviting me, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> I was trying to keep it all serious and be serious. The whole I know time, it. I know yeah. it. I know it. <laughs> right, I appreciate that. A lot of ice is officially broken. But, yeah, thanks for bringing me on here, man, to talk, talk and, you know, say my piece, say my word, and, you know, really – keep the topic going and, and keep talking about as much as possible. Cause right now we're laying the foundation for the future. And that's kind of how I look at it. And it's just something that, that needs to continuously be drilled out because it's been, it's when decades with being ignored and being put on the back burner and being, you know, looked past and people not trying to right. see it and are not trying to shine light to it. So now you gotta you gotta expose it for what it is and figure out how to solve it, figure out how to move forward, figure out how to change, and then you know, bring the best out of people. So and there's only one way to do that, and that's just smile. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, um, before we get uh, Ryan to close it out and and tease what might be coming up next, uh, that's brilliant, by the way, Charleston. Uh, We had a note here uh, in our chat discussion um, to all panelists. Thank you for being part of the most important conversation of our times. And he also adds, I love you, Brian. It's from Dr. B. Oh, I think you know who that is. (laughs) He only love him. (laughs) That ain't (laughs) it. Hey, just, you know. (laughs) 
That's terrible, man. That's terrible, man. That's terrible, man. Uh, Mr. Oh, Burnham, uh, we appreciate you watching us too, uh, as I believe it's after 10 o'clock there in New Jersey. So, um, Oh, he's up. Listen, he's up to... Oh, he's... Yeah. He's he's going to be up till about 4 o'clock in the morning and get two hours of sleep and ready for the next day. Ready to go. Do his, That's that Marine. Do his That's that Marine in him. Oh, Doing yeah. his push-ups at 0500, right? Just like you. <laughs> uh, um, uh, RP, what's coming up next on Move the Chains? What do you got in the works here? Oh, uh, man, like, uh, we got a lot of things. Sorry to put you planned. on the spot, but. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm fine with it. You know, I'm not going to drop any names yet, but at the same extent, like I said, man, we're going to, you know, touch on a lot of different topics. Um, you know, topics that are around football, around sexism, um, around, you know, even classism things like that. And we get affected by it all, um, you know, even with women in sport, um, you know, about, you know, how much diversity there is, you know, amongst front office positions, all the way to, you know, mental illness, um, all kind of things. And, you know, these are things that, you know, definitely take a part um, in classism and sexism and diversity. Um, you know, these are things about even financial literacy, you know, things like that, um, you know, where you start now separating and then you start putting guys in boxes and putting women in boxes based off of tax bracket, based off of upbringing, based off of, you know, the demographic and things that they've come from. So we're going to encounter a lot of things. Um, this is something that I didn't want to be just a two or three part, you know, or, or two or three episode, you know, type of series. I want this to be something that we can continuously build upon. And if it continues to grow years and years after, that's great because I feel like, you know, these are subjects and issues that we're going to continuously encounter um, until, like I said, we get down to the root of it and then now are able to come up with some type of conclusion that's going to help us now get rid of it. And until then, we still have a service and we still have a platform to use um, with Zoom and all these other things that we have right now. The excuse of not having dialogue just isn't there anymore. So we got to use it, you know, use social media, um, use all the platforms that we do have to be able to get our point across raise awareness, raise perspective, um, you know what I'm saying, change it if we can. Um, and if we can change one person at a time, like I said, we're going to continue to change the masses because at the end of the day, I know these four guys know a lot of people. I know the next four know a lot of people as well. And if we could touch a few guys at a time, like I said, we can continuously grow from this. So I appreciate all you guys, you know what I'm saying, that tuned in. I especially appreciate you three coming on, man. Like I said, I really do, man. I picked you guys, you know what I'm saying, for a specific reason. Um, like I said, I appreciate you guys being transparent, speaks volumes, um, also to, you know, saying the producers and so forth, which is majority all women. Hey, like I, like Great. I said, I don't need to have, I don't need to have no daughters. I got y'all. <laughs> so I appreciate that. Hey, so like I said, Sarah, Alex, Cody, everybody, man, no, seriously, man, I, this wouldn't happen without you guys, man. Like I said, I'm happy to, like I said, have you guys as a part of the team. Uh, we do all this together. It's not just about me, but at the end of the day, like I said, it's really more so about, raising awareness, making change, and doing what needs to be done, like I said, so we continuously move forward. So I appreciate everybody that's been involved. And until next time, stay tuned. Like I said, Move the Change is coming, and it's going to continuously uh, be here for the long haul. And don't forget Sarah as well, doing a lot of work behind did the I scenes. Did I not say Sarah? With that. Did uh, I not maybe, say Sarah? Maybe, uh, I did. I thought, okay, you, well, I thought you said Sarah. It's double yeah, well, no, even well, better. He's trying, to tell, he's trying to get you. I'm about to say, she, nah, she I know gets I said double Sarah. mention then. That's good. Yes. <laughs> okay, I'm about to say, Sarah be giving my mama all the Dr. Peppers and stuff. You ain't going to get me in trouble. <laughs> uh, and, <laughs> and hey, uh, sure. thanks to, uh, again, um, you, you mentioned it at one point, but uh, extra thanks to those watching as well as our great sponsors. Um, RBC and Canwell building materials, bclions.com. Uh, you can see more move the chains and uh, RP said it. We'll be back with more of these panels. Uh, we'll talk about mental health uh, one of these days too. Very important subject and let's keep the dialogue going. Thanks to all you gentlemen and uh, thanks to everybody for watching and we'll be in touch soon. Good work guys. See you later. I appreciate now. it. <laughs> Impact. What up, RP? Let's turn it up one time. You did. We move the change. You hear what I'm saying? Real players can relate, cause they the ones that was playing. Be great, be just great. wait. Yeah. We be really in the field. Really. Now we really on the mic, speaking truly how we feel. Damn. For real, yeah. screaming hut one, hut two. Huh. Tell me what you gon' do. Yeah. Coming off that edge, only way to stop is hoes. Never let the gatekeepers control you. Never. Once you lose your voice, now they definitely know they own you. But not I. Not Rob me. Phillips coming so fly. Pick yeah. six on the way. When that ball's in the sky, they say time is money, and I. I wonder why, now I know that's a goddamn lie, let's go.
Come and get game from the the chains. Everybody love it when you move the chains. Haters hate to see me really do my thing. Move the chains, move the chains. Let's go. The number one podcast Move the chains yeah. to my thing this dough, you know how it go Grab you know. a seat and tune in, then tell me what you know Please. Back when T.I.P. said get it on the flow R.P. was on B.C. putting on a show For show, For screaming show. touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. Uh-huh. Everything you want now Fans be the chain gang, game every month every now month. Don't even try to front now These new dudes be something like my son uh, now. Come on, now I'm better than ever The game that we speak gotta be clever Ball hard no matter the weather, no I cheese for the pics while I'm counting this cheddar. Uh-huh. I'm my mama, boy, I never will let her. So you know I gotta get up and run. Just come and get game from the, the chains. Everybody love it when you move the chains. Haters hate to see me really do my thing. Move the chains, move the chains. Let's go. Move the chains. The number one podcast. Move the chains. Do my thing. Come and get game from the the chains. Everybody love it when you move the chains. Haters hate to see me really do my thing. Move the chains, move the chains. Let's go. Move the chains. The number one podcast. Move the chains. Do my thing.